Yeah. Um, uh, yeah perfect. So I've just hit the record button there. And so we'll record this and we'll put it out on the usual kind of podcast channels. Um, I would have thought, Chris. Yeah, I'll go yeah. out on or we'll keep it in them. here yeah. or whatever. Um, so welcome to the Bit Rivals AMA. And um, I'm not going to do much of the talking. I'm going to hand it over to you guys, really. It's kind of your show here. Uh, so, yeah, just welcome, everyone. Uh, I think we've got 31 people in the audience at the moment. Uh, if we do hit the cap, then we'll just turn the cameras off. Um, and then that'll be pretty much an unlimited amount of users that can then join the AMA. But uh, over to you, Chris, and uh, Bit Rivals. Yeah, so I think we're close. Um, yeah, let me, we're, let's turn cams off because we're at 40 people now. Yeah. Um, Sorry, guys. So, this is me. Hi. This is how I look. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it makes it much more personal to be able it to does. see the, the team. Um, but unfortunately, it's okay. yeah. People, they'll see us at the beginning of the recording. People have been screenshotting us. So handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, um, yeah, just over 40 people in, in the, uh, in the AMA now, which is good. Um, do you want to, I guess, kick things off by <laughs> perhaps doing a bit of a, an intro into to who you are and, uh, how you sort of ended up, um, you know, with, uh, bit rivals. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I can introduce myself and talk a little bit about how bit rivals was conceptualized and, what we sort of intend to be and our vision for the future. Do you want to go sh first, Shepard, on introducing yourself, and then I'll, I'll go through that? Yeah, I, I guess uh, I can introduce myself, and then you can introduce the project and all of that. Um, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, so um, I have, like, gamer names that are part of this. Real name is Spencer. Um, you can see me on the website and all that. Uh, we want to be completely transparent about who we are um, and the team behind this, so happy to answer any questions about that. Um, but I, uh, I, so I'm an American. I was born and raised in the Midwest. Uh, I grew up in Chicago. Now I live uh, between Cincinnati and Dayton um, in Ohio. Um, my background is um, in data analysis, what I went to school for, and then in project management. So I started a little bit on the data side and moved pretty quickly up to project management. Um, Full-time, I've worked um, in the aerospace industry, so it's a lot of software development for aerospace applications. Um, biggest customer is the government, um, and, you know, we, we developed um, multi-million dollar projects, right? Um, and I manage a lot of those, and I have a lot of experience managing people and teams to bring products to a market and sell them to pretty big customers. So that's kind of professional background. I've also been in crypto since 2019. Um, and I've helped out with a couple projects before, advising other projects and um, just in a bunch of investment groups and things like that, learning as much as I can about how the blockchain actually works and all the mechanics um, behind the blockchain tech itself. Um, so that's one of the um, pieces of expertise that I'm bringing to the team. And I manage a lot on the blockchain operations, while um, Jamie manages a lot on the traditional Web2 side. Um, and on the gaming side, you know, as you can tell from uh, all the stuff's in here, but all the games that we play, um, Jamie and I are also huge gamers. Um, we actually met uh, through gaming, um, and uh, I mean, pick pick any game, right? I've, I've tried them all. Uh, I play a lot of League of Legends these days, but um, I'm a huge fan of single-player campaigns. I think the Bioshock series is probably my favorite game for any of you guys who are big Bioshock fans. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, some of the things that we're passionate about. We're passionate about gaming, and we're passionate about crypto. We're passionate about blockchain as the future, not just of like web tech, but the future of finance as well. Um, so it's the perfect way to marry some of the things that we are passionate about. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Thanks, Spencer. Um, my name's Jamie. I'm a freelance contractor working as a creative developer. Uh, I've done that for about 15 years now, working for agencies all up and down the UK for some some of the biggest agencies in the UK and some multi-billion dollar, uh, billion pound companies, ranging from small startups right up through to that. And my specialty really is in probably the entire process, ranging from you know the prototyping of things and the UX side to usability testing, right through to the design and actual build of those applications. So, um, yeah, as Spencer said, my, my role within BitRivals is to sort of oversee the actual building of the, of the platform itself. Um, I do a lot of the UX and UI designs for it and work with a, a team of developers to actually build the product, which I'm going to demo to you today. Um, I'm also a big gamer. I'm in that age bracket where gaming was like my entire childhood. You know, I got a Sega Mega Drive when I was a kid and gaming holds such a huge amount of nostalgia for me. And the entire team is passionate about gaming. So, um, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, I think there's anything else to add to that. I think I'll just talk, talk to you a little bit about how BitRouse came to be, if that's okay. Um, as Spencer was saying, we met through gaming and we both have an interest in crypto. I have an interest in crypto because I believe it's the future for, for the website of things. Web3 is the future. And as a programmer, it's important for me to stay ahead of the curve and make sure that, you know, I'm so attractive to as, as a freelancer. So that's an important thing to, to make sure that I know. So we both have an interest in, in games and crypto and we were around back before web three games sort of started popping up. And when, when they did, we were really, really excited about them because it was this marriage of two things that we loved and it was kind of a no brainer. I get, you know, I get paid to play games. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really pan out the way that we expected it to. We found that there was a lot of problems with it. Firstly, there was a lot of false promises, a lot of games that we did find when scouring through the vast amount of them, finding ones that we liked, they never really came to fruition. Uh, there was a lot of flashy artwork, flashy unit, unity demos, but then the raises happened and nothing really came from it. And then also once we actually did find games that we liked, uh, that, that did come out, sorry, that had substantial backing games like Axie Infinity, which obviously had hundreds of thousands spent on the actual production and design of the game, they weren't necessarily games that we wanted to play. You know, we play League of Legends, we play Valorant, we play, I played a lot of Apex. I couldn't really see myself sitting down after a hard day's work and playing uh, Axie Infinity. So with those frustrations, we kind of asked a really simple question. Why can we not take the same play-to-earn models that these games use and apply them to games that already exist? games that we already play and already have literally hundreds of millions of players playing them already. So that was the concept. We put pen to paper, we came up with a, a white paper and we created a website and we, we put this out there to some big players in the industry and we, we picked the attention of Dow, Dow Maker, who came on board. This was way back when we started. Uh, when was it, Spence? It was over two years ago now. Um, and they were... They were really interested in it, loved the product, loved the concept of the product. And they came on board as advisors and they helped us design the tokenomics, which is the same today. The tokenomics are the same. And they also helped us design the actual in-platform uh, token economy as well. 
one thing that they were adamant about was that we created a proof of concept because it is quite a difficult thing to grasp and, and understand, especially if you're not a gamer. How do we get information about you as a player and convert that into, you know, real world world prizes and crypto? And so I created a very small technical demo for Apex Legends about two years ago. And since then, that demo has become what we have today, which is a fully working Web2 platform with 12 AAA games integrated already, a whole host of achieved to earn games integrated, and a user base of over a thousand players without any any marketing. And in fact, there are actually some people in this Discord group that have signed up and started using it uh, since we started talking, which is really great to see. So <clears throat> what is BitRivals overall? Well, BitRivals is a, an ecosystem that is designed for gamers of any time constraint, whether you're somebody who can only play on a weekend or you're somebody that streams and plays all day, of any skill level, whether you're new to a game or you're a professional esports player, to have the ability to earn points and uh, earn, sorry, earn crypto and prizes for playing games that they want to play. You don't have to change and force yourself to play games that you don't particularly want to play. Just carry on playing the games that you already play. So I think what would be really good is if I actually showed you the Web2 platform. Um, am I able to share my screen and show that with you? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, just give me one second. Let me... Um... It's not letting me share screen. It's just got a thing to say I can't do it. You might need to change some settings somewhere. Yeah, bear with me. No worries. There should be. <clears throat> it must be under guest. That's interesting. I can't actually find the setting for. Shepard, you need to fill the silence. Sing. <laughs> Do something. You don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> I don't need jokes, Jamie. No. No, I don't. <laughs> I suppose I could say that um, once I've gone through this, um, once I've shown you how the actual Web2 app works from sort of the perspective of the player, I, I obviously... I'm conscious that not everybody here is a gamer and you're here as investors. So um, I'm going to try and make sure that you understand this from an investment standpoint as well as from the perspective of a player. But then once that's done, we'll hand over to Spence who will talk a little bit more in depth about sort of the tokenomic side of things and the economy, a little bit about sort of the people that we're working with, the partnerships that we've got, um, because we've got some partnership with some pretty big players. And then um, talk about sort of like the, you know, the, launch pads that we've got involved and centralized exchanges and the roadmap and will then we'll it, go to q a will it let you share now no nothing um i can't even uh share my screen chris so i i can't see any settings for it so i don't know if you can or if you've got different permission levels than me um yeah it won't even let me do it why won't it let me do that either one second let me is it because we have too many people? No, it's no. not that. Um, it'll probably be a setting, uh, like a server setting. Let me have a look at the server settings. Yeah, we cool. go. Okay, so right. <laughs> apparently that's what the problem was. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Discord. All right, fire it up, I guess. There we go. Yeah. How's that looking? Says... People from the UK, I think you'll be able to realize, I forgot to say where I was from. I think you'll all realize that I'm from Yorkshire. <laughs> Might might come through on the accent. I'm not sure. 
you sound uh, very much like one of our uh, team. <laughs> yeah, Where's, whereabouts is he from in Yorkshire? I'm not sure. All right, well, um, good to go whenever you are. Good to go, cool. Okay, so um, so this is the uh, the dashboard of the app. So BitRivals is designed as a web app, and what that means is it's accessible in anything that has on anything that has a browser. Um, this is really uh, advantageous over pretty much anything else out there because it's completely inclusive. It doesn't matter if you're playing uh, a game on Xbox sat on your couch, you can load this up on your phone or on your tablet or on your laptop. Um, it doesn't matter if you're playing on your PC. It runs alongside the game you play. It doesn't, run, it doesn't run over it. There are some applications out there, some software that you can install that has you know, the ability to look at your um, in-game metrics and you know, offer things like advice on what builds to create in League of Legends or advice on the opponents that you're versing. The problem with that is it's software that you need to install, and it's really intrusive. It pops up. It goes over the top of your game, um, and it can be really, really distracting. And of course, like I say, it's not inclusive. If you're an Xbox player, you can't install these types of things on your Xbox. If you're a PSN player, the PlayStation player, you can't do that. And also we're starting to see this rise now in third-party um, software out there like Strada, which is a streaming service where you don't need the best PC in the world to run the top games because you can just get another PC somewhere on a server farm to run it for you and just send that picture back to you. And we're seeing a lot of that now. And that means, again, you can't install software on there. So there's massive advantages to doing it this way. It's completely accessible, you know, multi-browser, doesn't matter what what console you play on, you can you can create an account and start using it straight away. So this is actually live now. You can go and visit bitrivals.app and you can sign up for an account. It's completely free to use. You'll be asked to supply just an email address and a username. We don't hold any sort of sensitive information about you. Um, the only information that we hold, of course, is your email address for obvious reasons. And then your actual player data as you play the game through the app. And obviously we need that in order to, to reward you for it. And that also plays a part in other parts of the ecosystem that we can talk about later on as well. So we don't really hold anything sensitive. We don't hold anything that is of value. Uh, the only value it is is to you and to us um, to make your experience better. So once you've created an account, you'll be greeted with the dashboard. And I've obviously already created an account, so I've logged in. And you can see that there are two ways that you can currently earn. There's a traditional play-to-earn method, which is where we get information sent directly from the developer to the BitRivals platform, and you get rewarded for things that you do in real time. So you can play Valorant and you'll be rewarded for things that you do while you play things like kills, things like defusing bombs. If you're playing Rocket League, you'll get um, reward, rewarded for every goal that you score, every save. You know, the list goes on. And you can see that we've got 12 of these games already integrated into the app that you can go ahead now if you play any of these games, hook up your account and start playing. The beauty about this is we are starting with a, a player base of you know, hundreds of millions compared to a brand new Web3 game, which starts off with a player base of zero. We're tapping into an already existing player base. I think CSGO has 1.8 million players um, during its peak time during the day, concurrent players, which is just an insane amount of people. There is another way that you can earn, and that's through Achieve to Earn. I'm not going to go too far into this because the play to earn is really the, the meat and potatoes of it. But the Achieve to Earn is just our way of, again, with the, the whole thing of this being inclusive, allowing people to earn that don't necessarily want to play sort of the hardcore shooters and, you know, they just want to play the indie titles like Stardew Valley. What this does is it hooks up to the Steam. And if, if you don't know what Steam is, Steam is a games library. You can purchase games through it and you can launch them. They have their own achievements system built into it. You can play these indie games 
through our app and you can be paid for achievements that you collect in game. So usually when you're playing Steam games, you'll see little pop-ups that says you've just completed an achievement. It's, it means nothing. This makes achievements actually mean something because you earn for it. Nothing out there does this, by the way. There's nothing out there at all that um, allows you to earn for doing this. We currently only integrate into Steam. That's going to change. It's going to also integrate into Xbox and PSN trophies. And we also have plans before launch to um, to hook up to uh, Epic and EA, not Origin, because Origin doesn't exist anymore. So that's another way that can be earned. And we have people that do that, that don't play these games, that just casually play Stardew Valley and you know have the ability to earn through uh, through Bit Rivals. So I'm going to go back to... Oops, sorry, I'm just not on mic there. I'm going to go back to this part, and I'm going to click on um, League of Legends because I'm a League of Legends player. When you first visit one of these games, you will need to connect your account. It's super simple. It takes a couple of seconds. You just type in a few details, and that's it. You're connected. You don't have to do it again. It's done. It's connected to, it's connected to your rival ID. You can see that I've uh, played some games prior to this call quite poorly. Please don't judge me on that. Uh, and you can see that I've actually acquired some points for doing that. Now, just to explain what points are, rival points are our in-app currency. It doesn't have any intrinsic value, but it can be used to spend on things in the app. And I'll talk to you about that in a second. The token is the actual on-chain asset. But as I show you this, it's quite easy for you to see how we can transition from a Web 2 app to a Web 3. Because instead of having just rival points, There'll also be rival tokens as well that you earn from, from playing these games. So if I drill into one of these matches here um, that I've played in League of Legends, you can see that I've earned points for everything that I've done in game. So I've got I got 26 assists during that game, so I got 156 RP. I got one double kill, so I got 25 RP. Uh, you can see that there's this one is a double. We do daily doubles every day of these reset. So people try and kind of maximize their player style to earn as much many points as possible. And if I go to the payout, you'll see all of these things and how much each one of them um, pays out. I won't talk too much about the technology behind this part, but just know that this is fed through a machine learning algorithm. And that algorithm dynamically adjusts these values to make sure that all games on the platform are equal. That means that if somebody's playing Rocket League, they're not going to be earning three times as much as somebody who's playing League of Legends. Of course, there is going to be some discrepancy because some people are just better players than others. But the AI works out, you know, within a threshold how to balance all of these games. And these, these values are all dynamically adjusted. And this, this actually plays part into other parts of the system that we can talk about later, like the tournament system, um, in, in creating really fair tournaments, which is something that just isn't seen in any tournament system out there. But we can talk about that later. I'm going to go back to the end side of things. So I've earned some points for the games that I've played over the past hour. On the right-hand side, you can see that I've got some bounties that I can claim. Every day, these are reset every 24 hours, and these are just additional ways you can earn points, things like get two quadra kills, which is never going to happen, uh, earn 150k gold. Depending on what game you're playing, you know, chess, it'll be get 10 checkmates. You get the idea. You can see that some of these are locked. Just bear that in mind as I carry on. And these daily bounties don't clap... Um, don't go towards what is your daily earning cap. So we have an earning cap per, per person, per day. Again, it resets every 24 hours. There are a couple of reasons we do that. First of all, we want to make sure that people come back to the, to the platform. If we didn't have a cap, that would mean that people could start earning, leave for a week, and come back and claim 20,000 points. 
that's not that's not going to work what we want is people to keep coming back consistently because that means more people are using the app that means that put in front of our traditional revenue generating methods such as pay-per-click which obviously needs traffic and also we plan on integrating things like microtransactions and we need people to be using this so by implementing this cap it means that we get lots and lots of people every single day coming on and even with these tasks you know we get people that come on and play League of Legends for a bit, claim their tasks, and they'll play Valorant, they'll claim their tasks, really to try and maximize how much they earn from this. You can see that these caps can increase, and we'll talk about how that works in a second. So how does this information get to us? Well, it gets to us from the developers themselves. So we have um, recently just got our license, developer license from Riot, and just integrated, League of Legends was the, is the latest one that we've integrated, it's been really popular. We've also got Teamfight Tactics coming, because that's a Riot game. But these developers send out this information in a lot of cases directly to our system about you as a player, and we can take that and we can use our algorithms to assign points to that. So once I claim these points, these points will be added to my total point balance, and then I'll be able to do things with those points. So what can I do with those points? Well, first of all, we have a leaderboards. We have seasonal leaderboards, so these reset every three months. Um, We've just reset the season, so you can see already people are starting to get on the top of the leaderboards and really pushing for that. If you end at the top, if you're at the top of the leaderboard at the end of the season, you take the prize. So that's one way that people get involved. But the main way people get involved is through raffles. So you can see we do raffles, multiple raffles per week, and these can range from things like um, Xbox Live gift cards, PlayStation gift cards. Uh, Amazon, right through to things like Gamer Gear, we've given away headsets, we've given away consoles, and we have a whole um, we have a whole section a channel in our Discord full of winners where you know they post screenshots and pictures of things that they've won, and it's a really great. If you ever get a chance to look at it, please do because it's got there's some really great feedback in there. So I could go on this for example, and you can see that the 313 people have entered this raffle. And I can purchase, I don't have enough credits, but you could purchase tickets for that. Once that timer draw, that draw timer runs to zero, a random person is picked. So obviously the more tickets you buy for that, the higher chance you've got of winning that prize. We also have premium raffles and this plays into the premium model. So you, the question is, how is this sustainable, right? We're giving away these prizes. How is this sustainable? Well, as a web two platform, this is actually stable. We have a premium model. Um, which actually some people signed up for today from the Discord, which is really cool. Um, and that premium model costs $3.99 per month, and that pays for the raffles and the hosting. What that unlocks for you is you get access to premium raffles, which is the much higher tier level of, of uh, raffles, including sort of the consoles and stuff like that. It unlocks additional tasks per day per game, allows you to re-roll those tasks, and it gives you a higher earning cap per day as well. And as Spencer talks about the future of the platform and all the things that we want to integrate into this, you'll see that there are lots more reasons to get involved in the premium side of it because it unlocks a lot more stuff. As I said before about it being easy to see how the Web 2 side of things is transferred into the Web 3, just see that as the membership. So instead of people paying a $3.99 membership per month, it's based on how much token you, you actually hold. This is... Amazing, really. This is the really clever part about it because BitRivals is BitRivals targets a group of people, an audience that isn't traditionally targeted by traditional Web3 companies, and that's just everyday gamers that have no understanding or knowledge of crypto. 
that means that we can bring people into this easily. It's an easy thing to sell. We've not marketed this platform at all. Not a single thing have we marketed this. And yet it's got over a thousand users just from word of mouth because it's easy to sell. People get it. It's gaming. I win prizes for, for, for using it. These players come on. This, the hook is that it's free and they can win small prizes. And then they look and realize, well, I want to unlock you know, the, the, late, the less contested raffles. I want to have more opportunities to earn. I want to un unlock these tasks and I want to get more earning cap and I want to be able to enter higher level tournaments. What do I need to do to do that? I mean, all you need to do is to buy some tokens. We intend to make the process of buying those tokens the same way that any gamer would purchase um, a Games Pass or EA Access. It's simple. You've got a subscription-based thing, tier, lifetime subscription, X amount of dollars. They purchase that, and that's them buying the tokens. The beauty of that means is that every gamer that comes onto this system that doesn't have any education in crypto is a potential holder of the rival token. And the chances of them selling that token is very slim because that's not what they came for. They came here because they enjoy the platform, they want to earn points, they want to enter the raffles. So I don't want to go too much more into the actual app. If you get a chance to look at it, please do. There's a whole host of other things on here. There's profiles and referral systems, badges, seasonal rewards. There's, a, there's all kinds of stuff on there. We've worked on this really hard for the past two years. So do sign up to it. If, even if you don't game, just get a feel for things, have a look around. Um, I don't think there's anything more for me to say on this. Uh, I think I can hand over to Spence to talk about the rest of the stuff, if that's all right, Spence. Unless you think I missed anything. I think it's a good overview. Um, sorry, I've been in the chat because there's been a couple questions. Um, but I, I think all that... What? Never mind, carry on, sorry. Okay, yeah. I, I think I'll let people type questions if they have them, and we'll just um, do them all at the end with the Q&A. Um, it seems sure. to be the most efficient way of doing it, um, rather than type and distract people from you talking. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, great demo. Thanks for going through the platform. Um, as you can see, uh, Jamie's also really talented at the UI uh, design. He's done branding for a lot of pretty big brands, and um, he just understands the design language very well. So I think that that's, I mean, honestly, one of our other benefits that maybe people wouldn't necessarily even think of, but the branding is, I think, really strong. And that's what a lot of people say, too. It's very easy to think um, that, hey, this is going to be something big. And branding is really important when you're talking about, um, especially a startup, but corporations and, and new businesses. So, Thanks, bud. Cool. Yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, go through the stack. Um, all, all of this should be in the investor deck or the light paper. Um, I've just picked a few of them out of there. This is fairly long. I think it's 40 pages and we don't need to go through all of that. Uh, but I wanted to give you kind of an overview of some of the things that are um, in this and hopefully that should answer some of your questions. But well, again, we'll take questions at the end and happy to talk through anything. So uh, if you want to go ahead and go to the first slide. Um, so yeah, Jamie talked about this a bit. Um, there's really two different um, types of currencies in the platform. He showed you the points, the, the Web2 side, and then the token is going to be the Web3 side. Um, and they interact, but there's also separate ecosystems for each of them as well. Um, there's a third one, too, that's not really a currency. That's the rival XP. So think of it like 
XP in a game. Um, you can't really spend it or trade it, but it is a benchmark for us to um, gauge how much a player uses the platform. So for instance, during a referral scheme, when people have affiliate links, if someone signs up with your affiliate link, um, you have to reach a certain level of XP for that to count. And same thing with earning tokens. That's how we benchmark it um, to stop people from just instantly joining and draining tokens. They actually have to play for a little while on the platform before they access the play to earn system. Um, that's pretty common in play to earn games. You have to level up before you can do it. So we're basically mimicking, mimicking that with the XP system. Next slide. Um, so the rival ID, this is what we envision as the ultimate gamer profile. So as much as this is a rewards platform, what this really is, is a gaming infrastructure uh, project. Um, it is a Web3 bridge um, and a Web3 infrastructure ecosystem. So we envision this as not just being a way that people come to our platform to earn rewards, through competitive systems like the arena, um, through the things like the Discover page to find new communities and find people to play with, um, find new games, a uh, way for people to advertise their games. We want this to be an all-in-one sort of inclusive system where people can track their progress across all of their games. So maybe someone plays League of Legends and they play Call of Duty, but they also play Axie Infinity. There's never been a platform where you can have a profile that tracks all of that and, and holds it together. Um, but that's what BitRivals will be. It'll be a way for people to essentially brag about their progress and show how good they are to their friends, but also for their own sake to track the, um, how well they're doing on all this. So we'll have systems for badges. And as you can envision in the future, there will also be cosmetics and different things that people can pay for as another way to monetize. All right, um, so the Rival Arena, um, this is the competitive side. And um, basically, if you've ever used a tournament platform, there's a couple of out there. There's not a ton that um, integrate with Web3 yet, at least not successful ones. Um, but this is where people will be able to create their own tournaments, host tournaments, put up prize pools, things like that. There are a couple of different ways which we can earn revenue from that or revenue share from tournament organizers, have different tiers of tournaments. We can also host our own. Um, one interesting thing that we're going to do here is 1v1 tournaments as well, or challenges as we call them. So people will be able to um, basically go head to head against each other. Um, so say each one wants to boot up in a round and say the wager is who gets more kills in that round. Um, each person puts up a prize pot, a small percentage of that gets pulled back into the wallet, the rewards wallet, and then the winner takes that pot. So that's a short example of how um, those challenges would work. Uh, next slide. Can I just quickly add something to that as well? It goes back mm -hmm. to sort of the the AI side of things. Because we use AI to power the the point system and that balance that system, we have information about you as a player that allows us to create really fair tournaments. This is something that tournament systems traditionally don't have in Web3 or Web2. That's because they don't have this other side of it. They are just tournament systems. And the only thing that tells that person that, that system about you as a player is your rank in a game. So that means that people can come along to those systems, to those tournament systems, sign up, create a brand new account in a game, and just you know rinse the tournaments because they're very, very good players playing in very, very low-level tournaments. We can actually stop that from happening in two ways. First of all, we can make sure, again, with the Rival XP system that Spencer was talking about, we can make sure that you can't enter tournaments until you reach a certain level. And that means that we have enough information about you as a player 
and the AI has enough information to categorize you in a, in a particular skill bracket, and that, that creates really fair tournaments. The other thing that we can do is we can take a, a sort of a benchline, a baseline um, performance of, of you in a particular game, and if you enter tournaments and your performance exceeds that baseline, we can obviously then take action from that. So this is information that every single other tournament system does not have. And we can leverage that to create really, really fair tournaments that people will feel comfortable actually taking part in. Sorry, Spence, carry on. I just thought I'd add that. Yeah, no, no, that's great. That's that's one way I think that AI um, is implemented in this, as I saw when it, the question was about that. Um, but the other thing, too, is if there's a club that wants to host their own tournament and you have a tournament organizer, then basically that responsibility can be on the person that's organizing that tournament. If they're hosting for the prize pot or if they're putting up their own prize pot, things like that, um, then you know that responsibility essentially transfers to whoever's hosting that to, to the club, right? Um, so there's a couple of different ways where that can work. Um, rival rewards. So this is what Jamie walked through. Um, this is kind of the heart of the platform, um, which is the data analytics side, right? Where we have APIs from games, um, and we're using those public APIs for people to track their performance in the games. As we said, that's cross-platform, Xbox, PlayStation, Steam, even Web3 games, right? All we need is the API, and people can track based off of their performance. And this is just really ever-expanding. Partnerships are almost unlimited um, with who we can bring on to do this, as long as they're on any of those platforms. Um, and there's multiple ways of earning rewards from that. Go to the next slide. Okay. Um, how play to earn works. So I want to talk a little bit about the um, token sustainability model. Um, and this is really just one aspect, right? So this is for the rewards platform, but there's a lot of different ways in which it's balanced. Um, you know, tournament uh, fees and stuff like that. Um, you have your launchpad uh, fees, you have uh, money from advertising. As Jamie mentioned, we're looking at a lot of the different traditional ways that businesses build revenue other than just the Web3 side, right? Because a lot of Web3 companies will just build some mechanism, put it out there, and that's it. Um, but the more that we can increase revenue streams and the more that we can um, up those balances, the more that all of this works. In particular, here's kind of the process flow. So you have those people that are earning rival points and you have those people that are earning tokens. And in order to unlock the number, the ability to earn the tokens, as we said, you have to get to a certain point of um, experience to do that. And um, in order to start earning tokens, um, you have to essentially spend those tokens. Um, so you have to first buy them and then put that up to buy a NFT on the store. Um, and if you, there's a couple of Web3 games that work um, similar to this. And if you've ever played or if you're familiar with like how Fedden Arena works, it's a, it's a decently similar model where um, in order to unlock that ability, you are purchasing something. And then for, it, it's like a limited duration, right? That uh, NFT will degrade, if, especially if you don't use it. But if you use it over that time, then you have earning potential. It's definitely going to be people that also buy NFTs and forget about it or don't play enough and... Um, perhaps could lose money on it, but there's the potential for people to earn money. Um, and those calculations will all be pretty transparent when that whole system is released so that people know exactly what they need um, to calculate to earn that. But so that um, you guys understand, there's a purchase that has to go first, right? So the price of the token is going up before anyone is taking anything down. Um, and there's always something to be putting back into the pot as, it, um, as the system is functioning. Next slide. 
Uh, Rival Raffles, Jamie demonstrated this pretty well. Um, this is kind of our like carrot for free players. I think this is how we're going to capture a lot of players and bring them into the Web3 side um, because people can do this without paying a dime. Um, they can do this seamlessly. They just sign up and start earning um, points and then enter raffles. And as this scales, the number of raffles and the uh, amount of raffles, uh, like the, the actual um, dollar value of those prizes will increase as well. Um, and this all already is pretty balanced, balanced pretty well with our uh, premium membership, but um, with advertising and sponsorships and things like that, there are there's a lot of ways to offer prizes on here. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now is reaching out to um, like gamer gear companies and, and merch companies and things like that that want to reach an audience. And this is basically free advertising for them, right? Kind of like how an influencer would get um, a trial of their product or you know a limited shipment. Um, basically, those partners would put their products up on the raffles um, to offer them. So we don't even have to pay for it. And it gives them free advertising to the, the base of gamers. So that's one of the ways that this is also funded. Um, loot store. So as I talked about, there's the, um, there's the NFTs. There's a couple of different types of NFTs, but um, if you envision that whole process, right, that's the earning mechanism. You buy an NFT in order to earn. Um, the cool thing about the NFTs is that uh, people can customize their play style. So some people play games maybe uh, where they're really focused on melee or they're really focused on kills or it could be chess, right? It's a different type of game. Or maybe you're a support character and you like to heal. So the different NFTs will give you different buffs for the ways that you like to play. So maybe it's a sword right, if you're a melee character, or a sniper gun if you headshots. Um, and that way that players can um, buy an NFT that helps them earn in the way that they want to earn, and there's customization in those NFTs. Um, the other thing is the vanity NFTs. So like I said, customizing people's profile, cosmetics, things like that. It's another way that um, we think that uh, we'll have um, varying qualities of this, right? Like some might be just a few tokens and some might be more expensive. Um, and some might be like one in a, one of a kind. So those gain a lot more value. Um, but another way that we're capturing some of those tokens and revenue back into the platform. Next slide. Um, Rival Starter. So we are... Um, we recently announced this. Um, this is something we think is going to be a, a big driver for growth for new games, I think. Um, we are going to do our own launchpad. You may be wondering, there's a lot of launchpads out there. What makes this different? Um, and other than the fact that we're reaching into a pretty massive community of Web2 gamers and we expect to have a really large player base, which should bring a lot of investors to new games, um, what we offer that other launchpads don't is the actual platform. It is BitRivals itself. So the tournament system, the raffle system, the reward system, any Web3 game that comes on here, right? Any game that wants to, is seeking investors, but also need a player base. So we're basically giving them an opportunity to find that player base, helping them build SDKs for their APIs so that they can seamlessly transition into this platform. And then we can run competitions and other unique ways of bringing players into that game. Um, and basically, it's a way for us to partner with them. So it's a revenue source for us, for token holders um, of Rival. Um, it's a way for them to participate in deal flows in the future. Um, we actually, we're looking at creative ways of doing this as well. Like we think that um, there's probably going to be an NFT that guarantees you um, like lifetime access to the, uh, the launchpad and deal flows on that. Um, and potentially even a, a DAO system for private sales just like this on future upcoming games. 
but we think that'll set us apart um, when it comes to the launchpad side because we're not just helping people raise funds, we're helping them scale a game and we're helping them build the infrastructure for that game. Next slide. Um, and then in the Discover page. So I guess you could think similar to the Steam store, except we're not offering these for, for sale, right? This is a place where um, we have a comprehensive listing of games. So right alongside all of the Web3 games and AAA games, you'll have indie games and you'll have uh, Web3 games. Um, and this is a way that people can go there and uh, find all the information on a game, maybe find new games that they haven't played before, um, and um, rate games, comment on those, and things like that. And then we'll have spaces for, for people to advertise, right? So a featured page if they want to pay, um, which is another way we can capture revenue and work with games, right? It, it gives value to them to be on the Discover platform so that they have an exposure to a larger audience who are finding about out about their game, who might have no other way of knowing about their game. So the token, um, that's a, kind of the product offerings, the different parts of the platform and the ecosystem. I want to talk a little bit about tokenomics, because we've got a number of questions about these. Chain itself will be the Binance Smart Chain. number of reasons we picked that. It's, uh, it's high volume, um, pretty easy entry. The other thing is... Um, the fees are very low, so we expect there to be a lot of small volume transactions on this. Um, so while we initially wanted to do the ERC-20 Ethereum network, um, it just doesn't scale well, and the fees would be so high that it wouldn't make the whole model work. So Binance Smart Chain was the, the most natural choice for it. Um, total supply is $1 billion. Um, so there are a decent number, um, but enough to scale it so that those individual tokens can be worth uh, a fairly large amount. And then here's the whole breakdown. I can go through it. Um, but a lot of those tokens are held in reserve for staking and for rewards in the future. Next slide. Um, release schedule. Uh, so this is the vesting. Um, and I'll show it again in the next slide. But this shows kind of um, how, over time, all of the tokens are released. As you can see, most of the sales get released in the first year, but most of the other um, in pots like development um, or advisors for the team, those don't get released for a long time. Uh, go, yep, go to the next slide. So here are the deal. Uh, the um, here's the information on the sale and then the initial valuation. So as you can see, the market cap is pretty low because the amount of circulating supply is going to be very small at the beginning. Only twenty five million out of that billion. So we're starting at a 286,000 market cap. So there's a lot of potential to see growth, obviously, with such a low market cap starting. Uh, our, our, over, our overall raise is actually pretty small for these sorts of projects. It's just based on what we've calculated we need to jumpstart it. Um, but a 2 million overall raise is, is small in comparison to other projects that are raising 10, 20 million on the blockchain right now. You're seeing that uh, low initial valuation. And then um, here's the information on the sales as well. So the public sale and the private sale. You guys are getting access to the private sale. Um, and this is going to be the bulk of the raise. We want to raise more in private than in public um, because we are thoroughly vetting um, investors, um, finding VCs and strategic partners who are going to be interested in more in the long term. That's why you're getting that bigger discount. Um, but the TGA, TGE unlock is 10%, investing is nine months after that, the 10% um, per month. And the public sale, this is going to be on Launchpads, and I'll talk about some of our partners in the next slides. 
Um, but this is, um, public sale is as much of a way to raise as it is a marketing scheme and a way to increase the number of holders. So if you go with someone like Dowmaker, for instance, I think people get like hundred or $200 allocation. It's pretty small. Um, but they're bringing thousands of investors who are all holding the to token. Those people on the, you know, initial unlock it, unlock it 15% of like, was that $15 out of a hundred? Um, but there'll be token holders and people who will help uh, push the project. So that's why you get a lot of value out of public sale. You can see the vesting for everything else here as well. Um, so team got a 12-month vest, but then there's a 12-month cliff as well. So for the whole first year, none of the team will have any access to their tokens. Um, the partner's advisors, 18-month uh, vesting with nothing on TGE. And you can see the other ones here as well. Next slide. Yep. Okay, so how are we going to market this? What is the go-to-market strategy? Uh, there's a lot of things on here. Um, I'll talk about some of the highlights. Uh, we found that, so we've done a little bit of test marketing, basically. Um, so the um, marketing that we have done with display ads and streamers has actually been very effective. In one instance, we got a streamer who is a semi-pro Rocket League player, and he played it on stream and we all, all of a sudden got like thousands of people trafficking to the website, right? So Twitch marketing is going to be a big part of this. Um, so is display ads, actually. We found through Google ads and Twitter ads that those actually get a lot of traction for pe to people on a platform like this. So it's pretty cost effective. And then um, we have a lot of partners for KOLs um, in the crypto space, um, call groups, um, earn platforms, things like that, to help drive numbers and drive investors to, um, to the platform itself and to the token. Go ahead and go to the next slide. All right. So the economic sustainability model. I've talked about some of this. Um, but as we mentioned, we are looking at this from a traditional business standpoint as much as of a Web3 standpoint. It's a balancing on both ends trying to capture a number of different types of revenue um, that will help us to balance the rewards and to maintain a long-term sustainable business model that only scales as we get more users. As we get more users, right, the value of sponsorships, value of advertising, the value of partnerships, and all those sorts of things increases. Um, the more volume you get on NFT sales for both play to earn system and for vanity. Um, as you can imagine, if you had a very large player base with rare vanity NFTs, those would have inherent value, even though I don't necessarily have any utility. But the ones that have utility might have even more value, especially when it comes to the launch pad or to the earning system or the tournament system itself. Entry fees from tournaments. Um, we do capture a little bit from the staking pool and from the swap. Um, so we're capturing that from PancakeSwap through our own native swap tool. Um, and as people, as we showed in the process model before, as people are playing to earn and buying NFTs, that all goes back into the marketplace as well. Slide. <clears throat> all right. Um, what is Rival used for? Um, what is the actual utility of it? I think we actually covered a lot of this. Um, Jamie talked about some of it as well. Um, we have this idea of a Rival club. So by holding the token, um, and holding or and staking the token, people will have access to the same way that people pay for the premium membership. So this will allow them to access exclusive raffles, boost their daily earning cap, access uh, NFT sales for exclusive NFTs or earlier NFT sales. Um, 
and priority uh, when it comes to the launch pad as well. Uh, and that will obviously be a little bit higher of a holding for, for investors to come in on the launch pad or the DAO. Um, so there is a lot of incentive for people who want access to future deals to hold the token. Um, and staking the token will give you some of that passive income from staking as well. Next slide. Uh, partners. So we are currently onboarding a lot of partners. Um, this past week, Jamie and I have had... I don't know, dozens of, of meetings with people across the crypto space, um, talking to centralized exchanges, launch pads, venture capital. Um, right now, what we're doing is gathering the best offers, and then we'll sign the ones that um, will bring us the highest amount of users and investment. So you'll see, for instance, pools on this list. We signed them uh, last week, um, and we're, we'll be announcing our official partnership soon. But they are a tier one launch pad. They have like half a million followers on Twitter. Um, they have thousands of investors. Um, their raises average between 100,000 to a million on, a, on the launch pad um, for each project. So those are the sorts of partners we're going after. We're trying to find the ones um, who are interested in helping to grow um, the community and um, bring investors as well. So we're looking for strategic partners who can help ensure the biggest launch. Um, we are also in talks with Ice-T, who run um, Red Kite and GameFi. As uh, Jamie mentioned, Dowmaker before. Um, Seedify, Bullperks, uh, Trustpad. Those are all Tier 1 launch pads. Uh, we do have offers from Trustpad and Bullperks, um, but we're getting close with the other Tier 1s as well. Um, when it comes to exchanges, we um, are really in talks with all but you know, like the top couple. So Binance, Crypto.com, for instance, those are really expensive and really hard to get. But we're talking to Bybit, uh, BitGet, MEXC, um, OKX, um, those exchanges. So it'll just come down to, in that instance, who can provide the best deal at launch, um, the, the value that exchange is providing. Um, roadmap. So uh, we recently updated this because we had really done a lot of it um, and adjusted it more. So we have some dates on here. As you can see, we're looking to do the initial launch on centralized exchange and decentralized exchange in at end of April or, or middle of April. Um, exact date TBD. Um, that'll depend on the schedule for those IDO sales and run IDOs in March and finish up um, Help, uh, private sales throughout the next month in February, um, and um, over the next couple of weeks, start a major marketing push to have everything ready for those IDO sales and the actual launch. We've talked about a lot of things that we've already done. We already have an audit um, for our smart contracts. We have gathered a bunch of uh, entries for the private sale, about 18,000 signups from that Gleam. Um, we have onboarded uh, market makers, uh, pushed the uh, platform into full public beta, um, integrated multiple AAA games, and um, obtained official licenses for a lot of these games. Um, and you'll see in the future, too, some of the plans for when we're releasing the other products down the line. Next slide. There isn't there isn't a next slide, Spence. That's the end. That's the last one. Oh yeah, the first slide was the title slide. Perfect. Um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about um, what's upcoming. Um, 
Recently too, I guess one other thing to mention is we uh, brought on a couple of advisors who have been really big in, in helping to secure some of these deals and to bring um, some good strategies, um, especially when it comes to marketing. So one guy who's the former doc director of operations at Firestarter, which is um, a pretty reputable launch pad. He's launched a bunch of um, pretty large projects like Fitburn, if you're familiar with that one. Um, he knows a lot about marketing um, and has a lot of contacts in the space. So he's helping to bring a lot of those KOLs and investors on board. And then um, another advisor is Jotham, uh, who is the uh, head of global marketing at Twitch. So he is one of the people at, at the top of Twitch and the company, right? And he's helping to connect us with some of those streamers so that when we are ready for a full referral scheme um, and we want to mass market this platform, we can bring those steam streamers on board. Um, and expose it to a pretty large audience of, ga of gamers through Twitch. So a couple of highlights. We're pretty excited about what's still to come. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for marketing, um, and I think that some of the partners we already have in place are pretty exciting for the next couple of months before we move to the initial token launch. Um, all that said, we're happy to answer questions now. I think, uh, Jamie, if you want to just go through the questions from the top, um, I guess we can invite people to the stage. I don't know, uh, Chris, if you had a specific yeah, way you wanted to run this. Uh, I, think, do this I, I think the best way go through the the questions in um, the the chat. Um, just vocalize it because obviously we'll put it out on the stream uh, platform as well, so people can just listen to it uh, through audio. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, doing that, and perhaps if you've answered some uh, early on, just uh, vocalize it. Okay, I can go. I can go through the list. So I'll start. I'll start right from yeah. I'll start from here at the top. So the first one is, um, what is the effort and turnaround time to add games to the list, if any? So that really depends on um, what method of earning it has. If it's an achieve to earn game, it takes ten minutes because you know we can access the achievements. It's just a case of adding a thumbnail, um, and then we have a, an algorithm in the back end that figures out how much each achievement should be worth in rival points based on how many people complete it. So we can get access to that information as well. So there's a percentage of completion. So we can get a feel for how difficult that is as an achievement. And then we, we use that to, to assign um, RP to that. What that means in the future is that actually we could set something up that adds these automatically. Right now, we just do it on a case-by-case -case basis. We have a community of people who say, hey, you know, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption. Can you add it on? Yeah, sure, no worries. And I'll, I'll add it on. I'm not going to sit there and spend all day adding these over and over. I just do them as and when is needed. But it is very quick to do. Um, and people ask all the time. We have, a, we have a, a channel in Discord specifically for requests of games of that nature. And um, yeah, they're really easy to do. If it's a, a, a play-to-earn game like Apex Legends, that really depends. Um, it depends on how accessible their information is. Sometimes you have to apply for a license. Riot Games, for example, is something that we had to wait for to get access to that. You know, it's not a simple thing of just, you know, hitting a URL and getting, giving us the information. There is a process involved. Um, but some of them, like Dota, for example, are completely open and we get access to that almost immediately. So it can range really from a day to a week. It, it really just depends on, on the quality and the accessibility of the APIs um, that they give out. I hope that answers that question. Devonic says, I'm an ex-game producer, also been involved in the horror movie industry too. Very nice. Big horror fan. 
I'd have an interest in longevity longevity of games and projects like these. I'd like to understand how this project will continue to add games and be able to fund the changes needed to support them. I think that kind of I already answered that in a way, hopefully. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I guess we, we, I guess the other thing you mentioned there, if it's like an indie game, a web three game, smaller games like that, it would be they probably don't have a public API that you can just grab. So we would be either helping them to build it um, or working with them to obtain the one that they have. And there would be some revenue from the sharing with that game as well in that instance. Um, so that really should fund itself in the case of working with games like that. Yeah, and it brings up a point as well about you were saying how with Rival Starter we'll be helping these Web3 games, you know, build an audience because they will be integrated into BitRivals already on launch and that puts them in front of our user base. We can do that with traditional indie games as well. So we can create an SDK in Unity that allows, um, you know, indie developers to create these. I mean, you, you see thousands and thousands of these games on Steam. You know, Steam Green Greenlight's a huge thing. Thousands of these games that just never really get anywhere because they just don't have the audience. We can work with these people to create an SDK that they can use in Unity or whatever program they use to build their games and that would then feed data from their game directly to us and we can do precisely the same thing that we do on apex legends and all the other ones you know to do the same thing to to reward people for the things that they do in those games and we can earn revenue from that as well so i hope that answers that one yes you did say fox can answer this uh simon says this will be awesome with the new gta coming out in 2025 yep that'll be added for sure on probably on release day that will be highly requested because we've got gta 4 on there already is gta 4 the newest one no gta 5 is the newest one right um we already have that on there people use that uh for games that are listed do you need permission from the game publishers are there any copyright issues related to including their graphics details on your system it's a really good question the developers generally give this information out because you know it's it's important for them to do that a lot of these games are free so what these developers do is they give out this information because they want developers like ourselves to create applications around their games. At the end of the day, mo most of them operate on the free-to-play system, and that means that they need players to make money. They need them to buy those battle passes. They need them to buy those skins. So it's free marketing for them to give out this information, and you'll see that games like League of Legends has a really rich ecosystem of third-party applications built around that game. Um, from things that optimize the way that you build stuff, that you know capture your highlights, teach you to be a better player, and all of these things help create you know player retention, keep people coming to their games, and so for them this is free marketing. Um, what else was there in there? Copyright in including the, the graphic the, the IP, yeah. Um, yeah. the, the thing with the IP is um, if, if you're used to like gaming uh, ecosystems, right, like these projects that build on top of APIs, it's very common to see the IP for those games in that ecosystem and game publishers um, extend that IP rights for the people that are building on top of it, right? So if you ever used Overwolf or any sort of data tracker and things like that, it wouldn't make any sense to have Call of Duty on that without the Call of Duty logo, right? Um, so both it falls under fair use, but also the terms and conditions for the IP allow people to build on, on the infrastructure for things that are enhancing the game and bringing more players to it, as Jamie already said. So it's not it's not really an issue. It's something that's very common already in the gaming world. Cool. Um, 
Demonic said also interested how AI could automate adding new games. I, I guess I kind of answered that already. There is a way that we could do that that adds games in. Um, the beauty of the achieve to earn side of things is that literally any game in existence, as long as it has uh, achievements, is integratable into this platform very quickly. And it's all already kind of done automatically through the algorithm that calculates what to um, assign each achievement in terms of points. There's just some extra steps that would need to be done. And that's a case of, you know, there is a Steam DB site where we can go on that and we could probably scrape the games from there and add them automatically. So yes, definitely possible. Probably something we'll look into unless we want to hire unless you want to add them all day, Spencer. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what your job will be, just adding games all day. <laughs> uh, um, what what kind of security have you implemented to protect the tokens on your application from hackers? Well, right now the, the token isn't on the platform so we haven't transitioned into the web3 side of things yet when that um web3 transition starts that's when the the uh, the security will come into place and we'll just make sure that everything that is done on the platform is is server side rendered so everything is done on the server and um, nothing done on the front end and everything is encrypted um, but we have a group of, of really talented blockchain developers that will be working on that and uh, we'll make sure that that's obviously utmost priority the smart not... contracts all, all get audited. Um, we <laughs> Demonics, have... <laughs> but I saw a raffle won by Shepard. You need to ban people working for the company from winning going forward. <laughs> yeah, that was an so, accident. Yeah, Shep, Spence was demoing it to, to a, a VC and accidentally clicked the buy button. And we don't allow, for security reasons, we don't allow um, anybody in the back end to change raffle entries because obviously that would be unfair. So I couldn't remove him from that pool, and unfortunately, he won the he won the prize. So nice but one. Yeah, we were, we refunded were and held it again. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no thoughts on us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, talked talk about AI again. Are there any other ways you want to talk about how the AI is implemented and like balancing and stuff like that? Well, for the time being, it, it's it's already used. It uses demonic. So if you're a developer, it uses TensorFlow. Um, if that means anything to you, it's a pretty popular JavaScript library for machine learning. Um, currently, it uses that for the points system. So it, it automatically dynamically balances the points out among games. And again, that will be used in the tournament system as well. So that will be used to create fair tournaments and obviously call out anybody that's playing um, above what their baseline would be. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm sure there are other ways that we can introduce it. Once once the AI's got the data, there's all kinds of stuff that we can do. Um, even even things like balancing out the amount of raffles, like the ratio of raffles that we do based on how much volume there is, all kinds of things that we can do with it. Really, the world's our oyster once, we, once it gets going. And of course, the more people that join, the more players that play, the more information it gets, the smarter it gets. Yeah, and AI uh, can be really yeah. useful for the NFT creation side of it as well, which is uh, a place that people use it a lot. Because um, you want to like use like slight variations of NFTs you already have um, to make those unique. So as we get a larger player base, it might become more difficult to manage just creating that art artwork and make those NFTs all the time. Um, mm. AI can help with the generation of that too. Sure can. When is TGE, Spence? 
Yeah, so we're pushing for April. Um, that's the goal. Um, the main thing that's going to depend is when the IDEO platforms have availabilities um, because they schedule their launches a couple of months out. So we're just trying to work to get on their schedule. And usually there's a three-month time between, or not three months, sorry, three-week time uh, between when they start their IDEOs and when you have to list on the exchange. So it could be early April, it could be end of April. It'll just depend on the partners. Cool. Uh Hiding crypto and NFTs behind the scenes is the way to go. Gamers hate crypto and NFTs and will run for the hills. Without thinking about this, projects will go nowhere, I think. Yeah, and, and that's the, really the beauty of BitRivals is that it, is, you know, it, it, appeal, it appeals to both. And you know, we've had gamers sign up that have absolutely no interest in crypto but would go through that process of buying it um, to get access to the rest of the system. And the trick is really just to make the... Um, make the buying process the same, like I say, as what they would do if they were buying a Steam game or, or a, a, you know, a subscription and a battle pass on a, on a game that they already play. You, know, you make that, that process simple, they purchase the tokens, they're unlikely to sell them, they hold, they hold those tokens. Um, what else is I think? And, and yeah, as well as that, it, it means that they're not going to get inside, they're not going to bother with the NFT side of things because that's hidden behind the scenes. So they're holding the they're holding the token without pulling from the rewards wallet, if that makes sense. Uh, what is the minimum dollar amount of rival token for users to buy if they want the premium features? That's undecided, um, and in fact, that could probably be part of the AI as well. Um, something that the the AI figures out for us. Uh, my internet sucks. Keep getting booted. Not much I can do about that. Uh, how many people working in the company? I think it's 12 so far, Spencer. Are we looking to expand? Yes, we will be expanding. We'll be bringing on more developers. Yeah, once we finish uh, the whole raise, uh, we'll be bringing on more developers and designers. And then when we have the launch pad as well, we'll be hiring the whole team to manage the raises for that. Um, launch pads can be pretty lucrative um, in and of themselves because um, you're always taking a percentage of the raise for those different projects. Um, so there's a huge funding mechanism in there that we can use to make that really a self-sustaining business model within the whole ecosystem. Yeah, and, and one thing to remember is that you know the team have we, we've built this with no funding we built this all off our own backs over the past three years through you know a lot of us holding down a full-time job at the side as well i mean i've worked on this full-time for the past three years but it's a testament really to how much we believe in this product that we've got this far without any real funding um i think continue. i think between the like early investors it was probably like a whole 100k is all that we've had to work with in the development so um, we did get some initial funding, but um, it's kind of just building the concept before we do the full raise and, and launch it uh, fully publicly. Uh, sorry for what I'm saying, because I believe that needs to be brought up and discussed. Yep, appreciate the questions. Uh, no, we, we always like the discussion. Um, and, you know, as, as we've uh, all been ask, answering questions all week, right, this uh, AMA has continued, and even after we're offline, feel free to keep asking questions we want you guys to have the full um idea of everything that we're working on there's still some more to go um like what i'm hearing so i fired up the xbox search a bit rivals on a dashboard with nothing found yeah it's it's not going to be on the on the the xbox dashboard it's a web-based uh, platform so open up a browser on your mobile phone type in bitrivals.app and just do it that way you'll be able to connect to your xbox account through the app and then play the games on your xbox sit on the couch play uh 
Battlefield or whatever it is that you want to play on the Xbox and you'll earn that way. It's a, it's a web-based application. It's not on the actual console, if that makes sense. Where does the company see themselves in one and five years' time? Maybe one for question. you, Spence? Yeah. Um, no, I, I see this as a lot of exciting potential, a lot of different ways that we can take this, um, different ways that um, we, we could build this into something pretty huge. So what we're trying to do initially, I'd say within the first year, is trying to capture a user base. We're trying to build um, users who, engage, who are engaged on the platform and have enough things to interact with that they stay and they keep coming back. Um, and so I'd say by the end of the year, if we could have, um, you know, t tens of thousands, maybe even a hundred thousand users that would put in a, us in a really good spot, um, to pursue some of these bigger sponsorships and these deals. Um, and as, as that grows, right, we want to bring on more esports ambassadors and private gaming clubs and things to make this the number one platform for tournament hosting and other things like that. Um, and as that continue to grow, right, the, that revenue stream just continues to grow. Um, so that's like first year goal. I'd say five year goal. Once we have, you can just keep scaling it up to as far as you want, really, as far as the server allows. Um, and we can continue, continue to scale that server as the users come. Um, what I really want to position us to do in five years is to be like that integrator and, and jumpstart for new games, right? So as we are bringing players on and we have a, an active player base we are working with indie game developers and web3 game developers and we're helping them to build that software helping them to figure out how to bring the api to a player base um, and getting a community excited about new games so getting investors um, an early opportunity to get in on those games um, but also to identify talent um, and bring because we we love both, right? We love games and we love crypto and we want to be kind of that ignition um, behind the future of gaming. Yeah, and I think as well, what we want to be is the kind of go-to app for gamers. We want it to be, you know, almost a reflex for gamers to open BitRivals whenever they start a new game, the same way that you just, you know, you open Spotify. It's just something that you do on autopilot because it's it's a no-brainer for them. And we're sort of seeing that already. We've We've got people that have been with us for the past two years played when we had the very first apex prototype that still play today and use it every single day and that's what we want to be we want to be synonymous with gaming you know if you're playing games you're using bit rivals it's just you know they're one and part of the same um will your sorry what's uh, the other thing? one the advertising routes and channels yeah what are the main advertising routes channels channels being looked at um so there's a couple of different uh forms of advertising of course you have your classic um, banner ads and display ads that um, we don't want to be too intrusive but have somewhere on the platform um, and there are a way to make this more lucrative like using uh, coinzilla for instance um, to tap into that web3 um, gives you a better roi than traditional google advertising um, there's also uh, jamie's talked about this uh, before but um, micro advertising that's optional um, so say like watch this ad to earn higher than your cap for the next two games or something like that um, as a way to increase that advertising, but making it optional so it's not intrusive. Um, and then as we talked about um, with the Discover page and things like that, um, actually partnering with these other games and people in this space who are directly paying for premium space to be able to host their games and reach that audience. And with the raffles, you have the like physical prize sponsorships, right? I talked about 
there are a lot of people that are smaller in the industry that want to get their products in front of people. And it's another way to advertise um, for them to reach an audience. We, I mean, honestly, what you should really see that rivals is a way to capture an audience in gaming and in Web3 um, and a way to bring that audience to new, um, new developers and new companies that may not have had another way of reaching that audience. Uh, will the launch pad be restrictive? Or do you have something else on that, Jimmy? No, no, you go for it. You, you, you carry on for that. Okay. Yeah, so will the launch pad be restrictive to, to who can participate? Yes. Um, those who hold the rival token um, able to participate. It's a pretty, again, traditional model for Launchpad um, and incentivizes token holding and takes more tokens off the market. Um, and it's a good way to ensure that people are actually invested in the projects and have capital to bring to bear on these. Uh, do you want to talk about the next one? Yeah, how do you interact with other gaming companies such as Microsoft with your platform offerings? Um, at the moment, we we don't uh, interact with Microsoft. We don't have that leverage yet. But that, I guess, would come into that five-year plan. You know, the more users that we get, the more people that we have on there, the more leverage that we've got to approach these companies. Is that what you mean by interact? I'm not really sure. Maybe what... maybe he just means like the um, API and. We um not really sure how to answer that. We don't we don't interact with Microsoft because Microsoft don't we don't have any APIs from Microsoft. The yeah, only time we're gonna Yeah, the only time we're gonna interact with Microsoft is when we use their trophy system. Is it trophies for Microsoft? Or I think trophy so, yeah. yeah. Um so that's that's the only time that we would interact with them and they have their own sort of what's called SSO, so single sign on where we can use to get your um your gamer tag and pull through your your um current achievements the same way that steam does it's just with a different platform what country is the company registered in uh, saint vincent and the grenadines um it's a great uh crypto company um place of registration a lot of uh, good tax benefits um and legal protection um one of the things with our team is that we're pretty multinational we have people across europe and um in the US. So it was important for us to have an international place of residence for the company. Someone says, thank God, BSC. And someone <laughs> said, really like that it's on BSC. We agree. Yeah, that's why we picked it. Uh, yeah, ETH is just not good for gaming. Nope. I've, I've seen it, you know, like um, it's a big one. Alluvium is building on ETH and they run into so many problems. They have to use like a special network on ETH for it to make it even possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, cap supply, yep. Um, and when we're capturing those tokens back through um, all the mechanisms where people are spending tokens, um, we hope to even burn some of those tokens. So in the long term, we hope that it'll be actually deflationary. Uh, while there are tokens, obviously, they're giving out, given out in staking and rewards. It's all a matter of balancing that. And as we're continuing to build that user base, bring in revenue, um, and people are spending tokens on these different mechanisms, we hope to remove more tokens from the overall pot. Cool. Next one's probably for you as well. Not a gamer. I might be an investor. Why should I hold this token? Why would I think I'd get a good ROI? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, I guess there's so many ways to answer that question. We've talked a lot of, about a lot of the benefits from holding, from participating in the launch pad, um, from staking. Um, you should get a good ROI just from the staking. I think the projections when the pool stabilizes, it's 
how many people are in the pool, but between 10 and 30% based on how um, long that token is locked up for in the pool, um, which will obviously go down over time. So you get a better ROI earlier um, on. Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, it reaches the market and it grows like we expect it to, and we just continue to build the user base. I don't see any reason why, especially with the timing, with the bull market and things like that, um, that it wouldn't go well. But again, it's markets, right? So you, you never know for sure, but that's why we're investing everything we have and we're so passionate about this, this um, product is because we think it will do well in the market. The other thing too is we're kind of moving into a gaming meta with the market. Um, it's been AI for a while, but uh, GameFi is back and pretty strong swing, and it'll be a pretty strong uh, meta narrative in the new bull cycle. We're starting to see a lot of trends on launch pads and VCs. Like uh, GameFi, for instance, switched to a lot of DeFi stuff. Um, but now they're going back to full gaming projects because it's becoming a new meta narrative again in the bull market. Yeah, and I think as well, going back to sort of the fact that we tap into an audience that traditional Web3 games don't tap into, and that's the everyday gamer. You know, we have literally hundreds of millions of people that already play these games that are potential holders of Rival. Uh, and have much less incentive to sell those tokens um, than somebody who is educated in Web3. So there's a whole side of that as well. Um, how will you cope with people cheating in games, e.g. auto-aim or bots to carry out repetitive tasks to earn points? Um, we're kind of at the, you know, at the mercy of the game developers themselves. They're getting better at cracking down on cheaters. Um, but also we have access to all of their play information. So we can, we actually already have systems in place that flag players if they earn over a certain threshold. And we can actually look at those and really dig into what they've been doing to figure out whether or not their earnings are outside of what we would consider normal. Um, in terms of bots carrying out repetitive tasks to earn points, the tasks that we pick and the stats that we pick are things that aren't easily botted. Um, you know, we we didn't want to go ahead and say, look, you get you get paid for every minute you spend in a game because sure that can be botted, or you don't you get paid for how many matches you participate in because again that can be botted. Instead, it's things that are quite hard to bot. You know, make, killing killing getting kills, headshots, that kind of stuff, and the tasks tend to be around that kind of thing as well. So I don't think we will see many bots, and I think if we do see bots, they'll be quite easy to pick out because we really have a lot of information in the back end about players, what they're doing as they use the platform, and we can monitor that, that side of things. Um, um, if you're a... so The Sorry, other thing with that too is like users can be manually booted from the, the, uh, the platform or blacklisted and things like that. Um, and we have a mechanism to verify people before they actually get any earnings. So um, not only do you have to reach a certain level of XP, uh, you can't be blacklisted um, and your accounts have to be verified and things like that. So we have the ability to manually review players before they have the approval for the, for the earning. Um, and of course, it's in the terms and conditions for the platform that you don't cheat, you don't use scripting or bots and things like that. Um, so people are agreeing to that before they sign in. If you're a big-time gamer, have all the NFTs in the loot store and you're still earning a lot of tokens, won't these gamers dump, dump I'm assuming that means dump the tokens on the market? Uh, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, this question has been asked before. Um, it really is a balancing act, right? So you'll always have people that are earning a lot of tokens, some, 
you know, p people who just grind all day to earn tokens. But again, remember that in order to access the ability to earn tokens at all and to earn more tokens, they have to first spend tokens. So every time that you want to increase, you have to first buy more um, and spend it. So you could buy an NFT that maybe has longer earning potential, but that's going to be more expensive, for instance. And we think based off of all of the other mechanisms in the ecosystem that we can essentially find a way to balance. And so I guess if people are earning too much and it's draining too fast, then we can pull back a little bit on the earning from that and increase um, what we're doing with the tournament system and challenges, for instance. Um, there will obviously be some kinks in working out how the, how the balance works, and that's where some of the AI comes in as well. Um, but I think when you look holistically at the ecosystem, it's a pretty good um, balancing system that I think in the long term will end up being deflationary. Yeah, I just want to answer one that's a bit further down because it excites me. Um, so you can earn on single-player games. Could you integrate something like Borderlands into your platform? It's already integrated. Go ahead, go play it. It's already in there. Um, you can you can sign up with, sign up for it and earn achievements by playing Borderlands, and you can earn points. So yeah, that's already in there. Let me go back a second. Uh, Twitch have recently said that they have never been in profit, which is a concern. Are you looking at Kick and other streaming companies too, just in case Amazon decides to move away from Twitch? Spencer? Um, yes, we are open to any of the platforms where there are users, right? The thing with Twitch is uh, we don't necessarily care how profitable Twitch is. We just want to get it in front of an audience. So um, there's still a lot of people that watch Twitch streamers, still a lot of gamers that stream on Twitch. Um, as long as Twitch exists, we'll be working with some of those people to bring this in front of an audience. It's really easy for us to work with a Twitch streamer. We don't necessarily have to pay them much unless they're pretty big. Um, we offer them a premium subscription. We give them an affiliate link, link um, probably give them some kickbacks based off the number of referrals that they have. Um, and we find that it grows pretty easily that way. So with one of the heads of global social media for Twitch in our pocket, um, we have access to a lot of those mid and smaller streamers um, and even some of the bigger ones to help build the whole campaign for it. Uh, are the tokens <laughs> <laughs> um, as a lot of you know, there's I see there's the uh, the laugh emojis on it too. Um, this is a I feel like it's actually a developing place of law for um, the United States and for the SEC. So um, it's a utility token, but there are utility tokens that can technically be classified as securities. Sometimes the conditions are kind of by some like iffy factors on that. Um, but you see with some of the recent uh, court cases that are just happening now that um, they're starting to think the way that the actual test for the security is not applying to a lot of these tokens and tokens on exchanges, for instance. And I think one of the, I can't remember which case it was, but one of the most recent cases were decided not to be a security um, based off of not meeting all four conditions for the security test. Um, either way, and maybe we'll talk about this at the end, but um, we, after talking to the legal team, um, we have figured out that, you know, through the exemption, it's um, the 504 exemption um, of Regulation D. So it doesn't necessarily matter if it's a security or not, as long as we're raising less than $5, um, which we are, we're only raising two. Um, then we just need to do a disclosure filing with the SEC and we can allow U.S. Um, investors to participate. So, um, yeah, as long as we're following the actual legal process for that, it shouldn't be a problem at all. Cool. Nashi82 says, take my money. 
Excellent. Um, <laughs> Skrulu says, um, for Xbox, I have separate profiles for my children. Will it be different? Will it differentiate between profiles, even though it's via my logon? So you would just create a, a separate account on BitRivals for your children, and then they would use their usernames in the app. So obviously they'll have their own usernames on Xbox. You'll have your own username. So you could just create separate accounts for them and input their usernames, and they can earn. And you, I think you're saying that they're loving the Lego games at the moment. Um, Lego games can be integrated because they'll have achievements. Um, so that, that can be done. Uh, so for security time, time uh, have you had some independent pen testers. hackers, pen testers? Yeah, this is part of yeah. the audit process. So when you work with Certic and um, Hacken is another one we have contact with and solid proof. Um, and we probably will have multiple um, for some of these bigger systems. Um, the pen testing is a part of the way that they do the audit. Yeah, just um, on on that uh, note, we will probably have an AMA with Hacken. Uh, I've got some very good contacts there just for people that are interested in the security aspect around projects. So stay tuned for that. Uh, is there anything to stop competitive projects doing the same as what you are? Can they, can they have the same games? Um, there's nothing stopping... Yes, some... Technically. Go ahead. I mean, I guess, I guess technically we're ahead on the curve on this one, I think, because we're the first okay. people to really do this in, in Web3 and to bridge Web3 and Web2. Um, so, I mean, I could see, you know, if a really big company like Microsoft wanted to make their own competitor, but a lot of those big companies don't love crypto um, integrating into their systems um, natively in the first place. I don't necessarily see a competitor coming until we're at a place where we're pretty big with player base. Uh, what's next? Is your Discord, Twitter, Facebook all secure? Is that sec checked so it will be difficult for the community to be scammed? I'm available for Discord security. I think he's just asking for a job, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Is there uh, a minimum maximum limit? Sorry, we can talk later if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a minimum maximum limit in the private sale? Nope, there's no minimum, there's no maximum. If you want to put a little bit in, that's totally fine. Yeah, I think uh, this is this is pretty important because uh, a lot of times this is pretty restrictive, but you have some investors who want to invest a small amount, right? You might might have $100 on hand, and then you have investors that are looking for a larger piece of equity um, in a project that they think will last long-term. So some people might want to put in five or, or 10K and... Um, we have worked with some angel investors too, who have pledged some to the, to the project. So we're familiar with all sorts of investors. It's more the quality of the investor. And as you guys, like we, we love all the questions. We see that you guys are invested. You're smart investors. This is exactly what we're looking for, for investors in, in this type of sale. So someone's asked, are you going to make an overlay in due time, of course, for PS or Xbox? Really, there isn't any need to create an overlay for PS or Xbox because you can just access it on your phone. So we have a bunch of players already in our Discord um, that play PS and Xbox, and they just use their phone. Um, it's really a simple case of, and I really do recommend that you have a go with the app just so you get a feel for things. It's a simple case of clicking a button to say that you're now starting to play you can close the browser, you can go away, you can play the game, you can come back later and claim your points through your phone. So there's no need for any kind of overlay. And we wanted to stay away from that because we don't like the idea of having, you know, to, to install things and add apps and have things that sort of interfere with you with your play. Just have something separate that you don't need to worry about. 
Uh, our private um, sale investors. Sorry, go ahead, Spencer. Yeah, so I was going to talk about the private sale. Um, are all private sale investors all investing at the same time, or have some already invested? Uh, what is the ETA for CC private sale? Um, no, not all at the same time. Um, we've got a number of groups we're talking to. Uh, a couple of DAOs, a couple of investment groups like you guys, a couple of VCs. Um, we are kind of busy over the next couple of weeks with AMAs with those um, and pushing the deals out to those groups. Um, unfortunately, for some of those later groups, um, if it's all sold, they won't have an opportunity, right? So there is definitely pressure for people to get in. Um, we're trying to reserve some ticket size for the different communities, um, but there may be a few that are overprojected. So there is a a bit of pressure. You guys are thankfully on the earlier end of that, so there shouldn't be any problem of you guys getting in. Um, ETA, uh, we talked to Chris and we think that opening on Friday is the best time because we didn't want to have over overlapping sales and we want to give people time to move liquidity and things like that. So um, look for this to open on Friday. Um, if bear market continues, say Bitcoin drops to 30K, will the TGB push later for a better market? Uh, it's possible. Um, I don't think the market's in a place like that right now, but no one really knows. Um, around the time of our TGE is about the time of having, right? So traditionally, you do see an increase in the market. Um, we have run into bear market problems in the past when Bitcoin was at 16K, right? It was when we were start, first starting to build. Um, so you could see if it, if we if we do think it's better to wait a little bit, we could. Um, but I ideally wouldn't like to, especially if those IDO sales are sold. You, you can still get a lot of traction, even Bitcoin at 30K. Um, there's a lot of excitement in the market and a lot of excitement back in game five. Uh, next one, not a question, but as a 40-year-old and having had a, not had a console since my 16-bit Sega Mega Drive, this is the most excitement I've had in gaming Sonic since Sonic in 30 years. Uh, cheers, lads. Seems like you've done a great job so far. And as a fellow Yorkshireman, hey up. I really hope this properly kicks off for you. Hopefully, we all feel like we could be part of it. It's been a pleasure to listen to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's really nice feedback. Thank you. Uh, Stevie G, where do you think the value of the token will go up to? I wish I knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think based off of the projects that we're seeing launched right now, and I, don't, I really don't want to promise anything because, you know, no financial advice, all that sort of stuff. But if you look at what's been launching on Dowmaker and Pools, CDFI, some of these big um, IDEO launch pads and where they're going, um, they're seeing anywhere between like 7 to 14x RO, uh, ROI right now um, on average for their projects. And with the same marketing and same community being brought in, um, you could see that in the initial. And some of them are continuing to go past that as they're building more product and more community. So it really does depend on the product. But we are seeing a really good ROI when you're working with some of these big partners. Um, but again, I don't want to. I don't want to promise that, right? Um, but just have a look at some of those those launch pads and see some of the projects that they've been launching. Um, I think the market maker will play in this as well. Um, they're very good at figuring out those trends and um, in like using the liquidity um, to make sure that the price is stabilizing. We're building price floors all the way up. So uh, for those who are familiar with market making, um, that is a uh, really important part of increasing the ROI and the total value of the whole project. Um, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll just add, we are going to be having um, a prominent uh, market maker uh, CEO join us to talk through what market makers actually do. So um, yeah, we're going to have a lot of educational stuff coming soon. Nice. Yeah, that'll be great. 
Do you want to carry on, Spence? I'm just going to get a quick drink. Yep, go for it. <laughs> Gamers hate crypto NFTs. Uh, I've said before, hiding this is... Uh, I think we... I think you asked this one up there too. We talked about it a bit, but yeah. Um, one of our ideas for this is we want to, in the future, have fiat on-ramps and off-ramps in the platform itself. And there's a couple of partners that um, make this pretty easy, um, but it's just building the partnerships with those those fiat off and on-ramps. Um, and we want to help people get involved in that Web3 space without even really knowing that they're doing it. Um, or right, without them going through all the steps to make a cold wallet and go do all of that. So making it easy for a wallet creation in the future to be happen automatically through platform, generation of NFTs, um, even being able to buy the token directly with fiat. Um, those are aspirations that we have down the line um, to help make it easier for people who have no experience with crypto and their only experiences on BitRivals um, to be able to get into the Web3 side of it. Um, how does the sale work? Are TGA, are TGE the tokens airdropped or do we claim them? Yeah, so the sale will be pretty simple. If you've worked with sale platforms before, there'll be a KYC at the beginning. Um, and then the next page will just be the contribution page. You put in how much you want to contribute in USDT or BUSD. Um, and then basically hit accept. You have to accept the terms and conditions and then finish the transaction. Um, and that will reserve your spot and send the tokens. Um, the tokens will most likely be airdropped um, according to the vesting schedule. Our raffle prizes both physical and digital, and who distributes them? If distributed by the sponsor, how would they be held accountable if they fail to distribute prizes? Um, yeah, great question. Um, we will have custody of all the prizes, so if we are working with a sponsor, we want to make sure that we get those prizes before we have them live on the sale. If they're physical, we'll obviously have to mail them and there will be some restrictions on the countries that can receive that but i don't think that's many um you know like russia and things like that may not be able to um wow finally a project that's smart enough to use an sec exemption awesome guys yep uh appreciate the discussion on this earlier um got feedback from the legal team on this so um, we're excited to be able to um, include u.s investors in the right way um, raffles are complex too around the world. Some places charge tax, so tax in the UK, for example, is this considered? Um, yep, terms and conditions are considered this too. Um, the one thing is that people aren't, um, the, the reason it's not considered like gambling is because for the raffles, people are using points which they're, which they're getting for free. Um, so it, it's not considered like putting up money to win a lottery or something like that. Um, and that's where the kind of legal basis for it falls. Regulation for crypto has always ex um, existed. Crypto people refuse to understand that because they think crypto is from another galaxy or something. Yep, totally agree. Um, it's very important that we are um, doing everything the legal way um, to cover the investor and to cover ourselves as, as a company because we see ourselves doing this long term. But to pay staff and make this a real business, so it's important for us to meet all of the legal guidelines. And that's why I want to make sure that we are um, getting the right advice on each of those pieces before we implement any of those. That's great, Chris. Cool. Um, it goes on sale Friday. Do we purchase through your website? Yep, we'll have a link. Um, it will be an exclusive link for you guys. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Follow the link and do the simple steps that I talked about. How will we be verified for the private sale wallet addresses? Yep, it'll be through wallet address and KYC. So what we'll probably do is collect wallet addresses for you from you guys before 
for sale to put them on the whitelist. Um, we can enter them even after the sale's open too, if you guys decide later. Um, it's just on the back end for our side. On bear markets or problems for many projects, how you guys plan against that? Ooh, great question. I actually just talked to a couple um, makers about it. Um, and one of the pieces of that is the market making, um, making sure that you're building a treasury. And um, the other piece is having an actual revenue model that's beyond just crypto, um, and that's actually sustainable. Um, just to briefly touch on that market making side, it's not just accumulating ROI on the tokens on the centralized exchanges. It's also accumulating the number of assets that we're pulling off the exchange through the market making, right? So long term, as the token continues to grow, the tokens that we have don't just can, um, increase in value, but the amount that's in the company treasury also increasing. And we manage that well during the bear market so that during or sorry, during the bull market, so that during the bear market, we have enough reserves to continue to pay staff in crypto. But the fact that we have all of these other avenues through partnerships, tournaments, uh, traditional Web2 side of things, um, we don't really see a future bear market as an impediment to growing this. Um, it, it's just a matter of, I think a lot of crypto projects don't think about their project as a real business. And we're trying to think of it as a business that can last long term. All right. Uh, is that a sole address? I don't uh, know. Okay, yeah. It, everything's on BAC, BSC, um, the, the token is. We do plan on having bridges in the future, so a sole bridge is definitely possible. Um, it's actually not too hard to do. Yeah, can you include other crypto games to earn points in your platform? This is something we're actively doing. We're in talks with a number of play to earn games. Some of them have to build APIs, as we said. Um, but it's pretty easy to onboard them once they have one. And we're excited to bring Web3 games into this ecosystem and to expose them to some of these gamers that they would not have found otherwise. USA citizens can participate. Yep. Correct. Um, that's the, uh, the 504 exemption, exemption uh, which we'll be filing for. Um, but it'd be relatively easy. Is it a first come, first serve, or will we have a chance to be guaranteed an allocation? I'm guessing this is for private sale. Um, you guys will basically be guaranteed, unless unless you guys are are like past, I don't know, five hundred thousand or something like that. Which, um, you yeah, it it should be pretty simple for you guys to be able to guarantee an allocation. It's the later investors who might come in um, down the board when we're continuing these private raises. Um, that might not get a spot one thing to probably touch on is there a minimum investment that an individual here could make and is there like uh, i mean it's it's not capped in any way is it um the reason i ask is obviously uh, we work with a third party that does raises and they cap mm -hmm. it um depending on the nft that you hold so uh this is the first that we've done in this uh group forum um, so yeah, it'd be good to just understand that aspect of things, um, very different to, to how they've, uh, you know, participated in other sales. Uh, someone says million dollar cap for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, um, we didn't have a, um, minimum or a maximum because we want to bring all forms of investors to this, right? So if someone just wants to put 50 or a hundred bucks 
totally cool with that. I think a lot of people have the minimum um, to, you know, find people who are more serious. And we do that for VCs. Um, but for individual investors, we don't, I mean, there's not a lot, necessarily a lot of value in that. Um, so, yeah, I, we're pretty inclusive of the investors that um, want to come into this. And we don't have a cap either way. Awesome. Um, price for the sale on Friday. Um, it's in the document. Um, I think it's about eight cents. Um, it's like eight point three something something. Um, or not eight cents. Uh, 0.8 cents. Um, the token launches at like a one point one cent, so it's like a twenty six percent discount. Um, can U.S. Particip citizens participate in the Launchpad deals? Great question. Um, this will honestly depend because not every Launchpad deal. It's dependent on the individual token. So the game or whoever is raising through a launch pad will have to be the one who files not us as the launch pad so it, it will be dependent on the raise and there's not necessarily anything we can do to get around that if a particular project wants to raise through the launch pad but doesn't want to do the filing um then they can't sell to us investors i think That's the main definitely project yeah, the main thing to to highlight, I guess, is everybody here will be able to to participate, right? If you're in the US, you'll be able to participate in this sale. Yeah, for our sale, I think he's asking about the future launchpad deals. Sure. Um, so for our sale, yes. Um, but uh, yeah, for future um, projects, it will definitely be dependent. Uh, sorry, I can't accept goat uh, horses or camels. Um, <laughs> I just have no way to get the shipment from you. Or Parmos. Um, he's like he's offering Parmos now. I think he's I think I think he's next door. Um you sound very similar to Demonics. Yeah, he he lives apparently he's a he's a Yorkshire lad as well. He's, he wanted to go for a beer. Ah. That's not one cent, lol. I don't uh the public round is at one cent. The launch is at one point one. Uh except uh awesome stuff it's going to come down to advertising getting this project out there the beauty of this project is it's so easy to it's so easy to sell um if you think about how hard it is to build a campaign around the latest ai powered crypto cyber security token you know that is a really difficult thing to sell to people unless you really are an investor or somebody that really fully understands security which is a small audience the beauty of BitRivals is it's so easy to market. People just get it straight away. And as Spencer was saying, we did some test, some test um, marketing, and this was very, very small amounts. So we're talking, I think, I think I did ten dollars worth on Twitter, and the engagement was absolutely huge for a, for a CPC campaign. It was at fifteen percent, which is, you know, you'd be looking at two between two and four percent traditionally. Um, and that just goes to show how easy how easy this product is to market. You know, it's a really yeah. easy concept to grasp. Yeah. Um, to give you an example, I mean, there, there's a lot of ways that you get value for the marketing that you're putting out. But I have about a hundred thousand dollar budget for marketing just for pre launch um, to really push a bunch of things pretty hard. Um, and if you like, just take a platform like Quest End for example, you can reach fifteen thousand people with. 250 bucks um so with a hundred thousand dollar budget which we really are going to pump into like some of these um influencers and streamers and kols and different quest to earn platforms and amas 
um, I, we think that can go pretty far and reach a pretty massive audience. So we're not really worried about the marketing aspect of it. We're aiming to be hopefully one of the biggest launches um, of this uh, bull market, um, at least in the GameFi sphere. Um, and it'll only go up from, from there in terms of the audience that we're bringing in. So basically you tell people, play your favorite games, you are playing anyway and get rewards for it. Exactly. That's it. Yep. How and long who, will the sales... Is... Sorry, go ahead. Always going on with the questions. Um, I know uh, we've been talking for a while, so I just want to make sure that uh, we get through everything. How long will the sale go on for? We probably will keep it open for a week. Um, yep, lots of great feedback here. Solid security, favorite games. Uh, is it compatible with mobile gaming? Yep, definitely can be. Um, a lot of those games have API and data that we can use for this. When do you expect the Fiat on-ramp to go live? Um, great question. There's just some infrastructure that needs to be built in this and some auditing. Um, but there are, uh, like Moonsail and things like that, a bunch of companies that have this already set up. So as long as we are built into a bigger exchange, like Gate or uh, BitGet or something like that, there's an easy way for people to have that on-ramp. Uh, what exchange will be this token be on? Um, we've talked about some of the ones. So we're in talks with a couple of them. Like I said, we're trying to find the best deal that we can on the centralized exchanges before going for them. If we can get on Bybit, that's my number one. Uh, but they're really exclusive. Um, OKX would probably be number two. Um, so we're trying to figure out how much that would cost and the liquidity requirements. Um, but we're also talking to MEXC, um, Gate, get are some of the bigger ones that we would hope to get this on initially and then yeah pcs uh pancake swap for the decentralized exchange awesome um should we look to wrap things up i think uh have we got through all the yeah. questions i think there's a I couple think... more questions but let me uh let's let's cut it off in terms of questions i guess um and i'll just answer the ones that are left in the chat why not go for Binance, Spence? <laughs> Binance wants like a million dollars from you up front, um, and they're extremely um, they're extremely picky about who they take on. If you're trading at like if your your market cap's like hundred million or a billion or something like that, then they'll look at you. But anyone who's starting out, even if you're a pretty big project, they're not going to get you on the Binance exchange unless they can guarantee millions of dollars of um, volume every day basically so um that's that's the biggest problem with binance down the line if we grow big enough yeah we would absolutely want to be on binance we tried to be on coinbase if we can um we would want to be on all the biggest exchanges but that's a point where you get to in the future rather than a place where you start cool i think that's it awesome so um my plan is to get this um recorded uh recording uh uploaded to all the major um streaming platforms like spotify and, and so forth and obviously get it um put hit in the discord as well for for people to to watch back um so yeah appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to spend it with uh the, the community to answer questions talk through everything bit rivals uh, i think it's been a really good uh enjoyable um ama and uh yeah i'm really thankful that you took the time really appreciate it yeah thanks for having us we appreciate that 
Yeah, appreciate all the questions. We can tell you guys are really smart investors, and that's what we like to see. Um, questions only help us think about how to do this project better. So um, re really appreciate it, guys. Um, thanks for the engagement. And we'll be around as well. So if there's any more questions that you can think of, just stick them in the direct chat or the BitRivals chat, and we'll, we'll get around to answering those as well if there's something you've missed. Super. Uh, and thanks for everybody for, for attending. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody has uh, a great weekend. What's left of it? Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.